You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 008. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Hey folks, today we're going to be talking to Mr. Black of Mr. Black and Miss Pomegranate, and this is somewhat a timely interview because it is camp season, and today we're going to be talking about event drop. Now, event drop is that nasty feeling that you get physically and emotionally when you get back from a kink event or a kink con, and event drop can be a really big issue, and it's important to know how to deal with it. So today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to go into some more detail on what exactly event drop is. We're going to talk about some of the symptoms that you can feel and see from it. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the things that you can do when you're at an event to try and help minimize event drop when you get home. We'll also talk about steps you can take once you are home to take care of yourself and make sure that things end on a positive note. Let's get started. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, Cassie, give me... Do what you usually do and start like talking about sex and lean into the microphone real far. (laughs) (laughs) Evidently, when I talk about sex, I get closer and I get louder because I enjoy sex and it's exciting. Yeah, but when I'm doing like the whole like mic check thing, you know, it's like sitting there doing the whole like do, 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 boo, boo, boo. But, you know, it's not the same thing as like talking about boobs. And then, of course, I get really excited about talking about boobs and how wonderful they are and all the other things that are wonderful and butts and all that stuff. And then I get loud. So (laughs) yeah, no. So this is, this is, let me tell you the course of every podcast episode. So we start recording, we sound check. I set Cassie's level. She's fine. And as we go on and she starts talking about sex every time without fail, she leans in and gets loud. And I have to adjust the volume down (laughs) as we continue. It's every single time. So I've just started, I've just started setting your volume a little low to begin with, because I know it's going to happen. Well, today we're going to be talking about Condrop, which is quite timely as uh, the three of us uh, all got back from a con recently enough for this to be probably still a fresh topic in our minds. I know camp is still fresh enough that we've been talking about it like a lot of episodes. We've had something about camp. You just can't get over it. Well, it's also like camp season too. Like when the weather is warm and it's nice out and it's gorgeous, like that's the time that us kinky people want to go outdoors, be naked and do all the kinky things outside. So, um, you know, this episode's actually a pretty good timing for this because this will be out in August. So it's still right before camp. the next bunch of camps. Yeah, it's still camp season. So um, hopefully, you know, people will be catching this and, and getting some tips and whatnot to be able to deal with their con drop. Um, the way I explained it to somebody once is um, a lot of times we start off like in January or February. And I almost compared kink to uh, NASCAR, where we start with our championship kind of in the wintertime. Then we go through the spring, we go through the summer, we go through the fall, and then we usually finish up with something around the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's a good way to put it. Well, and, and, you know, you have like, you have like some big events, like first thing in the year, but then it kind of dies down somewhat, you know, until later. Cause the, there's a lot more, at least around here, more camp events than hotel events, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't have those. It's, it's no fun to have a camp event when you're, uh, pussy juice is freezing your leg. So. <laughs> well, um, and I think that, um, hotel events tend to work better in the wintertime just because of the, the nature of it. Um, it's almost like Cassie said that um, you want to be outside in the um, in the uh, summertime. You want to be outside. You have more space to move around and do things. So you kind of gravitate and go towards that. And stuff you can't do indoors, you know, yes. like you can do much larger scale scenes, stuff like that. Well, and what I what I really love about camp events, which I think actually plays back into this topic of Condrop that we're getting into, is you know when you go, what I. I like to tell people, so we actually kind of avoided camp events for for the first few years we were in the scene because Cassie's very, very hygiene conscious and the whole idea of like, you know, being out and doing sex stuff, but, you know, maybe ha- like being out in the heat and having some problems showering, you know, getting a hold of showers and things like that was not her her favorite idea. So we kind of actually avoided camps for a little while and just did hotels. And I mean, hotel events are fantastic, but, you know, the thing is like, when you're going, you have to come back to reality, you know, like during the event, like, you know, whether you're going up to get food, like, or you're even if you're just walking from like a scene space to your hotel room, or especially if you're at like, maybe not at the host hotel, but at another hotel, you know, you have to take that step back into reality a bunch of times. But when you go to a camp event, I mean, it's total immersion, like from the time you get there till the time you leave, you know, it's, it's just, everything like you know you walk out your thing to go get breakfast and there's people fucking in the grass i mean so and i I think that immersion actually plays into the whole contrap issue that we're getting into too yeah and it was it was really kind of cool because you know we all actually went to the same camp and i reached out to um mr black about you know doing the podcast and like both of us were like, Ugh. like, like you could tell both of our like typing and like what we were talking about. Both of us were kind of in a state of bleh. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's kind of cool that, you know, we decided on this topic and this is the topic we're going you know, forward with because that was sort of, you know, where we were all at after camp. Well, one thing um, I think if you're a person that typically camps and you enjoy camping, it may be easier to do a camp event, but if you're not a person that camps, then you, you're going to have a more intense experience or a different experience. Now, me, I'm a city kid. So the whole process of me being out camping, being in nature, so to speak, is a completely different experience. Which probably just kind of piles on top of, you know, the whole strangest and everything of the experience that leads and the novelty of the experience that can kind of lead to Condrop to begin with. So you were telling Cassie that you were actually, uh, this was a great topic because you were actually having some Condrop when you got back from camp. Yeah, because um, I think you have so many layers of um, things when you prepare and you go to an event because um, I think you wear a lot of different hats. Like I know myself in this final grant, when we go to events, we... um, we, we're typically presenting, we're typically hosting parties, then, you know, we have separate play dates, then we have a play date usually with each other. So you have all of these different things that you're trying to manage and do. Then in addition to that, you have um, just the fatigue of being in heat and the humidity 
trying to eat, trying to get meals together. And it, it's just a lot. I mean, it's fun, but it's an endurance thing, very much so. So can you just, for some of the people who might be joining us, can you define what it is when we're talking about Condrop? Well, Condrop is probably like an extension of Dom Drop or Subdrop. And what it basically is, is it's almost like that psychological, emotional, and physical come down from the high of playing. And um, when you hear people talk about doing BDSM scenes or engaging in BDSM, a lot of times they'll talk about it being a natural high. And it's because you um, experience like a rush of endorphins, you can experience a rush of adrenaline, you um, have a heightened physical state, a heightened emotional state. So you have that high when you're in a scene or you're playing a scene, and then what you do is what goes up must come down. So you have that drop. You have that kind of return where your body normalizes, your emotions normalize. A lot of times people will have to process what happens in scenes. So you have that period of coming down or settling down um, and returning to a normal life like like you were talking about previously, that, that process of kind of coming down and returning to your normal self or that state that isn't heightened. And that causes people react to um, um, dom drop and sub drop in very different ways. And that can happen to you when you play a typical scene, when you go to your local play space and play a typical scene. Con drop is all of that exacerbated and heightened because typically if you do a scene, you're just going to go to a play space for a night and then come home. When you have con drop, you're dealing with maybe emotions from three or four days, the physical demands of going to a convention. And if you go to a convention or an event, even if it's a a vanilla event, it's going to be a demand. You have the demands of travel. You have financial demands. You have just the, um, the atmosphere of being around that many people and interacting with that many people, all of those emotions. You're trying to deal with all of that. And then you have BDSM and the come down from BDSM after that. So con drop would be the process of how you kind of normalize yourself or how you recover after being at a convention. I have to say, I've a lot of times heard heard it referred to as event drop as well. Um, I would be interested as somebody, do you go to any like cons or stuff outside of, uh, Outside of kink events, Mr. Black? I do um, comic book conventions. And actually, um, the, as at the time we're recording this now, and if this is on in August, in two weeks, um, Ms. Pomegranate and I are going to present at Otakon in oh, Washington. Okay. So have you experienced, just, just before we get into more into the con drop, you know, from a kink perspective, is that something you've experienced, like going to other events? Because I don't, I haven't really gone to other events like that to have that, uh, you know, the answer to that question. I think you have the typical, like, fatigue that you may have, like, if you fly somewhere or, like, if you go for a business meeting or an academic um, convention or even something like a comic book convention, if you're flying or you're traveling, you're staying in a hotel, you have that normal fatigue that you may have from travel and from um, going to an event, moving around and such. But I think it's heightened when you 
engage in something that's kinky because everything is so much more intense. So I'm going to pitch this to you, Cassie, for a few minutes, but what, cause I think it's going to be different for all of us, but like, I'd be interested to hear the different symptoms that people have experienced with like event drop or con drop. Yeah. I mean, I think it's different for everybody. Um, and I think it can even be different for people, you know, the same person and a different event. Like I, I think that it's kind of, you know, something that's always a little changing and is a little different for everybody, but like exhaustion being, uh, maybe you want to be a little bit more like some people need to be more away from other people. Some people need more people like need more cuddles. So it really can manifest a lot of different ways. You know, it can go from, you know, I need to have chocolate and, and have, you know, lots of treats to, I need to go work out for five days. Like I think I'm thinking people- you're talking more about coping with it though, than symptom wise. Well, I mean, I think, the coping and the symptoms can be kind of the same. Like some people have like the sugar cravings. So they end up, you know, feeding into the sugar cravings or they have, you know, the exhaustion. So they need to sleep more. Um, but I mean, I think those are a lot of the, 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 the big, I think symptom of it is the like exhaustion, the feeling worn out. Uh, some people say they really can't focus at work. Like, I don't know if it's so much, uh, well, I think exhaustion is a big one. Um, I think that there's definitely a factor of like, what the fuck for me sometimes, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like when I come back and I like go back to normal stuff. And there can be like even some like depression along that, like you come back and you've had all these great experiences and you come back and you're like, man, I'm sad now. Um, and your life might actually be perfectly fine, but it feels really like depressing to you because you just experienced all these great things and you have to come back to work or kids and mowing your lawn and all those things that are not really as fun as, you know, fucking in the middle of a field. So <laughs> well, here's something that I've kind of discovered about doing any type of kink. Um, it has two amounts of, um, there are two types of labor that you really have to do when you engage in kink. There's the physical labor and there's the emotional labor. And even for some people, there may be spiritual labor. Um, when you do kink, a lot of times, kink is difficult. It's like playing a sport. If you're flogging somebody, you're using muscles. You're doing work. If you tie somebody and you do a suspension, you're doing physical labor. Um, you're putting your body under a demand, and if a person is vomiting, they're putting their bodies under demands. It's like a intense, hard workout. And when you go to a convention, it's like maybe doing three or four days of hard workouts in a row. And then you have the emotional things because you have all of these physical things that are going on, but at the same time, you're dealing with issues about um, your personal, the way you feel about yourself, um, relationship issues. You have the feels about different things. You may have a breakthrough about another person or about yourself. So you have this mashup in all of these different things mixing at the same time. And it's a lot of things combining and coming together all at once. And you have to confront and deal with a lot of different things. I've known people that have gone to camp events or gone to BDSM events. I've seen people come together as couples and come together in relationships. I've seen relationships break apart. I've seen people fundamentally change when they go to camp events. I've seen some of the physical demands that people have to go through. 
So all of that tends to change and be very different. Yeah, and I think I think you get to an interesting, you know, point of what like what causes it? And I mean, I think there's a bunch of things that potentially cause it. You know, like you're saying, you have the actual physical stuff from topping or bottoming. You know, we've been back and cast like, oh, my wrist hurts from hitting you so much. I'm like, that's great. My 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 myself hurts from getting hit, you know? <laughs> like, but you know, but like you have that whole physical end. But I mean, it's not just that. Like you're talking about, you know, camping. So you're talking about packing everything up. You're talking about moving all there. You're talking about probably like some pretty dramatic sleeps in your shifts in your sleep schedule, if not just not sleeping a pretty significant amount. Out. You know, you've got all the the um, yeah, chemicals and stuff that are going up and down in your body, endorphins. and endorphins, and yeah, and I mean all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think another thing that can be a symptom besides like the exhaustion and the like, you know, what am I doing with my life? And like you said, I think there's definitely the you can you can have relationships change or not change. We had uh, we like to tell the story. We have a relationship class that we did a couple of years ago. We were teaching it at a camp event and. Uh, one of one of our attendees hauled off and smacked her partner in the face during the class. She did not like. She did not. It was an exercise on what people were looking for, and I think uh, she did not realize what he was looking for before that class. You can definitely have that stuff, um, but I think something else you can have, and especially something to look out for if you're maybe. Um, maybe newer. First off, you have to be aware of like, if you're newer, like if you're going to like your first event or even your first couple events, and it's not something you've dealt with, you just have to be aware of con drop in general. Cause when you get back, you're like, what the fuck is happening to me? Like you need to know. But also I think that some people get like a morning after, like what the fuck did I do last night? Kind of thing. You know, after they get back from camp and they start thinking maybe on some of the things that they did at camp and now they're not so sure they're okay with it. You know, like they might have to rethink, uh, rethink themselves a little bit when they get back. And I think that can be uncomfortable for some people. And a lot of times I think when people go to like big camp events or they go to big conventions, a lot of times kink is something that a lot of people don't have in their lives. So when you get the opportunity to actually do it, you, when you first have that opportunity, it's like, Oh, wow. I can't believe I have the chance to do this, this and this. So it's almost overwhelming to you when you have all of these different things that you're able to touch and reach and do and experience and feel on your body. And you're able to do with other people. And it's it can be overwhelming because for some people, that's the only time in their life that they're able to do that. And then for other people, that may be the first time in their life they do that. And that may be actually the last time that they ever do. So it can be it can be extremely intense for uh, somebody new walking in. And then it changes as you kind of get older and you get more seasoned and you develop like what you like and what you don't like and you move along. Yeah, I think that that can be, you know, it's. I think that over time you start to adjust to the things that you're doing too. So like you might not have as much con drop, you know, after your fifth or sixth event, cause you're prepared for it and you are, you know, ready for that to happen and you kind of know how to take care of yourself. So I think things can kind of shift after that too, um, versus somebody who's never been to an event. But I will say for me, it was kind of funny because for years I really, it wasn't that I thought con drop was like a myth. I just thought it didn't happen to me, right? Like it was like, I am immune to con drop. And 
This was actually, this is a little confession. This is the first time after this camp that I really felt con drop. Like, I mean, I was tired after camp a little bit, but like everybody else, I was kind of like, you know, it just doesn't happen to me. I don't know what this is. And then it hit me. And I kind of was slightly unprepared for it because I kind of like blew it up in my mind that, you know, I didn't have to prepare because I don't get it. Right. So <laughs> it ended up hitting me even harder, I think, because I wasn't prepared for it. It was it was funny. Cassie had a, a client, one of her clients actually wound up going to camp. And before uh, before camp, he had set up an appointment like a couple days after camp. And Cassie like told him when he set it up, she was like, you know, you, you might not want to do that. And this was his first big event. So he's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. So camp happens. He calls her like the day he's supposed to have his appointment. He's like, I can't. I can't. I was wrong. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, can we push this out like a week and a half? I just I just have a lot of stuff to, to process. <laughs> he was like, it was a great experience. And, you know, everything's fine. But I... I really can't think about anything else right now. <laughs> yeah, I think like, um, and you have like a tipping point when you go to events because it's like the first time you go to an event and you see all these things happening. It's like, oh, wow, I can't believe that that's happening. And then usually you see things, then you get a chance to participate in things. And then you almost have the process where as you get into it and you've been in it for a couple of years, you get kind of jaded. And you you um, have to deal with that and take care of yourself on that level, too. When you talk about Jaded, I somewhere we have the funniest picture from one of our events that we did. Um, it was a laser tag event that we do. And we had like a fucksaw battle at this event. Like we had two guys like fucksawing chicks to see who could get the most orgasms in like a certain amount of time. And I shit you not, we have a photo somewhere where you've got this whole crowd of people watching and then like six people actually looking over the heads of the people who are fucksawing to play Xbox. Yep. And, and and we I said something about it and one of the people actually said, I, I see somebody get fucksawed every week, but I don't usually get to play uh, Call of Duty on a TV the size of my bedroom. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was, which just shows you how jaded we get. I remember, um, I went to a camp event and I was actually there by myself and I was walking and I saw a woman in the back of a pickup truck. She was bound and gagged and she had like five people in the, in the flatbed of the truck working her over. And I kind of looked over, then I looked away and I looked back and then I looked at my, I kind of like looked down and I said, you know what? I really need lunch. <laughs> and I went on and I found lunch and got lunch. Priorities. <laughs> yeah. You can't hit people if you're not eating. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, but even with that, I think you have to still kind of be careful because even as you're experienced and you've done a, a more things, you still have to kind of be careful and protect yourself from drop because a lot of times you may play a lot of scenes or you may have a lot of interactions and it still takes that physical and emotional toll. Well, you know, I think it, I think what it really boils down to at the end is, you know, for the people who are listening is like, you never know. Like you just have to be aware that it's a possibility because you, 
I think you're likely to have it your first event. But the thing is, you never know, like you might be like Cassie and not have it for, you know, years and then suddenly have it. Or you could be, you know, like I get it, like I get con dropped a lot of times, but this last time coming back, I was actually like very zened out. Like I was like super chill, like, you know, <laughs> Which so was really weird. Yeah, it was really Cassie didn't we know what to do with me. We kind of roles actually. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, I think the thing to keep in mind is that you just never know, but you need to be aware that it. It is an issue. Like, what do you guys think are the dangers associated with con drop? Like, personally, I think if you don't recognize it, it for what it is and you start kind of reflecting that back on, like, you know, like, was this just really a horrible experience? You know, like that kind of thing. Like, am I really not kinky? Like you said, how you have people who come out and it's their last event. I think sometimes that's just a factor of not knowing how to process it afterwards. It's not necessarily not, uh, you know, not not being kinky or, or not wanting to can you continue doing that, but it's, you get back and you have that drop that comes from exhaustion and endorphins and all that other stuff and that return to everyday life. And you interpret that, you know, in that, that low as, you know, like maybe I don't like kink. I think, um, one thing that like different types of drop have taught me is self-care and the importance of self-care. And by nature, I tend to be a caregiver. So I'm really good at looking after other people. And sometimes I'm horrible at looking after my own self. So just like some of the basic things, like making sure you're eating properly, making sure that you're sleeping, making sure that when you come back, that you give your body a chance to recover. Um, And what I kind of like found a link or kind of compare it to is I work out a lot. I usually work out maybe anywhere from five to six days a week. And if you tear your body down and you go through the process and stress and rigors of exercise, at some point you have to build yourself back up. And then sometimes you have to take a step back and let yourself recover. And when you go to a a kinky event or a major event, you have to have that moment where you step back and say, okay, let me give myself a chance to recover. And uh, you have to address things that you may be feeling or you may have experienced and you have to really take time to process that. And that is different for everybody. And I think some scenes, you know, you have to realize too, that some scenes can take a very long time to process, you know, especially if it's consensual non-consent or something that's way outside the realm of what you usually do. You know, I've had a couple scenes that have taken me a few weeks to really decide I was okay with afterwards. Um, Cassie's over here smiling because those are some of her favorite scenes. And he but, doesn't mean from a consent standpoint. He knows he was okay consenting to it. He just doesn't know if he was okay with how he felt that about That I scene. consented to it afterwards. <laughs> 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 or maybe with how I felt afterwards is, is a better... Uh, yeah, you, you knew you were okay consenting to it, but you're not so sure if you really want to consent to it again. <laughs> I have a thing. Well, the thing is, when we play in kink, and especially when you tend to play and use ed, do edge play, or you tend to play on the margins more, you're playing with a lot of elements. Sometimes you're playing with consensual non-consent, or you're playing with things like um, violence or consensual violence. You're playing with misogyny. You're playing with um, assault. You're playing with all of these different things, all of these different touchstones, and it is tricky and it's difficult. And it's difficult for the person that's receiving it, and it's difficult for the person that's doing it. I agree. 
So what's I, I think we've talked a lot about what causes con drop. And I, I think, like I said, I think one of the biggest things is just to be aware that it happens and, you know, not to maybe assign that feeling to things that that it doesn't belong to. But what do people think are some of the best ways to try and, I don't want to say avoid, because I don't know if you can ever avoid it, but to, I guess, first, while you're at the event, to kind of set yourself up so that maybe uh, you don't have as much of that when you get back. Or even before you go to the event, setting yourself up, how can you do that to kind of lower, you know, lower the, the big con drop or the dreaded con drop, you know, to try to bring that down some. Well, do you have any anywhere to start with that since you're the one who doesn't usually have con drop? Or does that mean you just don't think about it? Uh, well, I, that's why I was like, uh, I'm going to pass this one on to Mr. Black. Because <laughs> as I said, it, it really hit me in a way that I was not prepared for. So I'll, I'll add a few things, but I'll, I'll let him start. <laughs> One thing that I think um, is very important is learning how to say no. Um, sometimes when you go to events, you want to do all the things. And um, it, I know like me, like being a bondage rigger, if you go to an event sometime, you will have so many opportunities to tie or do suspensions and such. And especially if you've been in a stage of life where you haven't had a chance to do things, you'll be like, wow. Well, I want to tie and I want to do this and I want to do that kind of thing and I want to do this and I want to do that. And sometimes you have to learn how to just step back and say, you know what, I can do maybe this scene and that scene, but I can't do three other scenes. Or I maybe can't do one other scene. Maybe what I need to do is do one scene and step back and process, take time, get something to eat, and then maybe schedule something for later. Or you may even get to get to an event and make have the realization that I don't need to play right now, or my partner is not able to play right now, not able to do that scene. And you have to be okay with that, stepping back and saying no. You have to be okay with receiving no, and realizing that you're not always going to get an opportunity to do things, and you can't always force yourself to do things. And I think that goes for social interactions even too, not necessarily even scening, but like I really do need to take some time and go back to my cabin or my tent or my hotel room and relax. I need to take a couple minutes and maybe miss that really cool scene that I wanted to just go watch or go to that really cool activity. I might just need to go back and take some time for me. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be you scening, um, but giving yourself that, that time that you need. And I'm going to take this one step further. Like when you're talking about learning to say no, um, you know, you're talking about from a social perspective and you're talking about from, you know, from, from somewhat of a physical perspective. Um, but also I think, you know, when I was talking about, uh, that thing where I think sometimes people get back and they're like, what the fuck did I do last night? Kind of a situation. Uh, I think learning to say no could help with that too. You know, kind of knowing where, Knowing where your limits are, and I, I don't want to say not pushing them because I, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what events like that are great for if you're comfortable with it. But knowing not to go so far past it that you're going to have that, you know, that regret. Maybe you can kind of limit on the processing you need to do afterwards. Yeah, and um, I mean, sometimes so many things can present themselves to you. So um, it all depends what like style you have. Some people will do pickup play. Um, some people will decide that they're going to plan scenes out before they actually go to an event and like do like a really um, in-depth schedule. 
like people kind of joke and say they have their like poly their poly Google calendars or their uh, kinky Google calendars because they're like actually It's not a joke. It's it's very serious. <laughs> we are those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't not not so much. Well, it depends. I think for for like camps and and other types of cons that we go to, we sort of have like a combination of those two things. Like we have the scheduled things, like we like, you know, the the big things, the big things we have scheduled. And then we also have like the pickup play that kind of fills in. And also like our time is just partners playing between, you know, uh, Rigel and I, and also like Rigel and I and our girlfriend or, you know, myself and our girlfriend or what, whatever mashup of the three of us as well. So um, you know, it can definitely get a packed schedule in there. <laughs> and you have to kind of take time in that schedule. And um, I think, too, it's good to think about what you want to do beforehand. So that way you can plan things out a little bit. And that's the funny thing. You can plan events. But then when you plan events, you still end up doing stuff that you wouldn't have expected. <laughs> because that's just the nature of like camping going to events. So when it comes to like events and stuff, you're going to have to be kind of a little versatile, like with your schedule, like it's good to have plans, but to be very, very flexible with it. Cause you don't know when like a pretty is going to ask you to like do something to them. Right. (laughs) Face fuck them underwater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or you don't know, like um, you don't know who you're going to meet. Or you don't you don't actually know who's going to approach you for play or forcing or who you're gonna have an interaction with. You just don't know. So what what are some other tips that people have for, you know, kind of either before or during an event to uh, maybe kind of help mitigate con drop later? So like for me, um, so it's I'm in a weird place with this at events, but like so sleeping and trying to eat reasonably, I've realized that like, I mean, I never sleep enough at camp, but I have realized that I need to sleep a certain amount just to uh, be as functional as I can at camp and and not to necessarily crash and burn afterwards. Although, to be honest, I think it's really more driven by wanting to be good at whatever I'm doing there than it is uh, being worried about when I get home. But I do think that's definitely something to be aware of, because if you stay up for four days, it may totally be worth it. But you have to be aware that you're just going to flop when you get back. And I think the consistency thing, like you really can't be consistent at camp, but try to be consistent with things that are really, really important, uh, such as like medication, because that was one of the things that kind of threw me off is I have thyroid medicine. And one of the mornings, because I had stayed up really late and then I had a class and all this, I ended up taking my medication like two hours late for my thyroid which kind of threw me off for the whole next 24 hours. So at least I think trying to make a point to stay consistent with some things that you know might affect you a lot. Like for somebody, for some people skipping a, a meal might not be a big deal, but for other people that might ruin you for the weekend. So really knowing what you need to be consistent with, I think is important too. And that goes a little bit into planning because, um, you have two types of planning that you actually have to do when you go to events. You have to do all of your regular travel planning. So then you have to do like all of your um, like kink planning too. So like you can't just like plan like all these cool scenes and all this fun stuff, but then say, okay, well, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do about sleeping or I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do about food and water and stuff. You have to kind of consider everything and 
think about everything. You know, if you take medication, you've got to think about that. So you've got to put, um, um, you have to think all about all of that all at once and kind of do that comprehensive planning. And um, that will help you to kind of have a regular schedule. I think kind of where we're getting with this is pretty much everything that's going to help you with Condrop. Uh, everything you can do like at camp or before camp that's going to help you with Condrop afterwards is probably just going to help you at events to begin with. Like, you know what I mean? Like the the planning what you're doing, the being able to say no, the, you know, doing whatever sleep and eating you need uh, that you think is necessary because there's definitely a trade-off, but all that stuff's going to help you there as well. It's self-care. You know, it's, it's taking care of you in the moment and not just waiting until later to do it. So talking about later, um, what are some tips, Mr. Black, that you have for if you come back and you are con dropping, like we're all going to do at some point or another, what are some tips that you have for trying to overcome it once you get back? Um, one good thing, one good idea is not to make major decisions. Um, so if you're like amped up and you feel super emotional about different things, that may not be the best time to talk about like deep relationship issues with your partner, or that may not be the time to decide that you're going to make, like make huge life changes and such. Um, you need to take a step back, um, have recovery in I think people underestimate the process of really processing things and taking time to think and say, well, let me see how I feel about things and not just act with emotion. Let me, you know, use a little more discernment and think in a way where I'm being more considerate of what it is I say. Like if you have a scene that goes wrong or you're disappointed or you're upset about something, Right after camp or right after an event when you're tired and you're stressed out, that may not be the best time to have an argument with a partner or with a friend. Or that may not be the best time to say, um, you know, I absolutely am horrible at bondage rigging because I didn't have the perfect scene. So take a step back, take care of yourself, and then look at things. That's one thing that I try to do. I don't always succeed at it, but I try to do it. I think it goes, first of all, I think that's probably the best advice yeah, possible, but I think it goes further than that than just making like maybe BDSM relationship decisions. I think it goes to like when you get back and you're like, uh, like, oh God, what am I doing with my life? Because that's where I get a lot of times. Like when I get back from it's stuff. It's time to like, quit your job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> time to walk in your boss and be like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm out. Maybe give that a few days first, you know? Yeah, I think I think all that's all. I think that's all definitely important. Um, I think you have to. Well, so here's another one that I'll throw along with that. I think personally, if you can, and this isn't something everybody can do, but every time I have a I'm taking off vacation for a big event, I do not go back to work the day I get back or usually even the next day. I usually try and give myself like a day to be back and sleep and try and get my life a little reorganized and try and get a decent mental state before I have to do anything that involves going to work or making big decisions or anything like that. So if you have the ability, I think it's definitely good to block out one or maybe even a couple more days after any big event uh, before you got to kind of ease yourself back into vanilla life. 
And um, for some people, they'll go like to a party like a few days later or maybe a week later. For some people, they need to take a little more time and actually step back from actually going to anything. So you kind of have to learn learn yourself, so to speak. What about you, Cassie? What are your biggest tips for dealing with it? Well, as I said, this was like my first time actually physically dealing with it, but I noticed the things that really helped me was I got a little more sleep than I normally do. I made sure I got more sleep. Afterwards, um, you mean? Yeah, afterwards. Like Normally, I don't need that much sleep, but I allowed myself the leeway to have more sleep in my schedule. Um, the other thing that I allowed myself to do was I allowed myself to not really get too involved in anything. And you're not talking about like serious decisions, stuff like that. Not necessarily that kind of stuff, but not having to commit to anything that is really going to be something I'm gonna have to focus on really hard. Like I, I did kind of like kind of ease back into work um, and back into life. I didn't come home and do like house cleaning, you know, like I came home and the first day I was back, yeah, I might've done like a dish or two, but I didn't like force myself to have things that we're really going to take up a lot of like brain power and a lot of physical power. So just, you know, giving yourself for me, it was giving myself just relaxation time. I think a couple other things too, like just, and I mean, it's, it's really basic stuff, but like just generally like taking care of yourself, like making sure you're eating decent when you get back, making sure that you're uh, sleeping. I mean, you may just need to come sleep for a day. Um, exercising, if that, I don't know about you, you were saying you're, you're real big into the exercise thing, but like for me, anytime I get kind of on level, that kind of helps me out. I do anything from taking walks to using my kettlebells to, you know, lifting or stretching or just trying to do something to like reconnect with my body and reconnect with myself. And that helps me to process. And that's kind of like my quiet time too. So like whatever you can find that's your quiet time or your self-care that makes you feel good, that's something that you need to kind of think about and you need to spend time on yourself. And it's also a good idea to check in with partners, friends, if that's within your dynamic and, you know, reach out to them, see if they're okay, see if there are any lingering issues from scenes and stuff and see if other people are taking care of themselves as well. Yeah, I think something I was going to going to say is something somebody had told me a a while back is, you know, it can be good to check in with partners or things that you did at camp, um, which I like to do if I topped just to just check in with them and see how they're doing. But also I think it can help you, you know, acknowledging that you still have those connections and that, um, you know, like those are still there. You're still uh, able to have a relationship with that person or, you know, like your relationship with them hasn't changed or maybe, you know, you get back and you're like, oh my God, that was so awesome. I'm never going to be able to do that again. Then you talk to the people and they're like, yeah, like we're going to do that again sometime. Like, I think that can definitely help you out. Yeah. And, and this one's kind of like something I wish I would have thought up as far as also like prepping for camp. Cause I made a mistake of what you were talking about food we didn't have like groceries when we got home because we didn't like go shopping. So maybe doing things like to take some work off yourself. And this is just kind of like a individual thing and experience, but like have some meals prep, things like that, like do stuff on the front end. So you don't have to do it later, whether it's doing extra laundry or doing, you know, having food um, and having those things kind of worked out because you don't want to come home and be like, Oh gosh, the refrigerator's empty. And now we have to go grocery shopping when I'm exhausted, those sort of things. I remember a couple, about maybe three years ago, I went to an event 
And um, I was so tired and so out of sorts that basically I made it home. And when I got, well, I went, I had to go to the grocery store, went to the grocery store, shopped, made it home. And I literally put food up, drank a Gatorade and got in the bed. Leave all that shit in the car. And then the next day you're like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And you've got to do like your deep cleaning for toys and like sort your toy bag out and stuff. And like um, me, what I do, I have like more than one rope kit. So I'll like take some of my rope and just put it in a bag and I'll have to like go back and like um, make sure it's clean, check it and then fold it and stuff. And that's almost like part of my recovery process. Like, I guess, normalizing my rope, so to speak. Well, do you have any other tips on how to uh, deal with Condrop when you get back? Um. The biggest thing is just really emphasizing self-care, emphasizing that this it can be a major experience. Um, it's okay to be gentle with yourself, be gentle with your partners and people that you interact with. Practice self-care. Eat. Eat properly. Drink. Um, hydrate yourself. Um Take time to connect with things that make you feel comfortable, that make you feel positive, that give you comfort, and um, go from there. And take time to process the experience, how you feel. You may not like everything that happened to you. You need to deal and process that. But if there are things that you've discovered about yourself that are beneficial work things, then you need to accept that, embrace that as well. And um, embrace the changes that you will encounter because going to a large kinky convention or a camp, it's going to change you. All right. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's good. I think. Are you ready for the speed round, Mr. Black? I am. All right. <laughs> so I'm sure Cassie's explained this to you, but it is. About 10 questions. We try and get through in like 60 seconds. So it's pretty much the first thing that comes to your mind. few words, sentence, and that's it. And we're on to the next one. All right. So first question is, what is something you're not very good at? Um, using a single tail, and I'm trying to get better. Okay. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Um... Something that's true that nobody agrees with me on. That Marvel comic books are better than the actual movies. Uh, The best piece of relationship advice you've ever received? To be attentive and to be in the moment with the person that you're with or the partners that you're with. Good advice. What are three things you couldn't live without? Um... The internet, now the internet or books, uh, I'm going to give you more than three probably. Books, the internet, and um, my kettlebells. And what turns you on? Um, hoods and gags. Awesome. A book that you would recommend for our listeners? Um, kinky or non-kinky? Uh, it can be either. Um, hmm. I'm actually reading a book now, and it's called The Enigma of Reason. 
And it's a book basically about why people reason and make poor judgments even when they reason things. And that's a really, it's kind of cerebral, but it's a really interesting book. And it's a good book to think about how people think about things and why we make some of the poor decisions to do. Awesome. What is your biggest fear? And not living up to my potential, not doing my best. What's the most adventurous thing you've ever done? It can be sexual, kinky, or it could be not. But what's the most adventurous thing you've ever done? Rock climbing. Who is your movie star crush? Uh, my movie star crush? Can it be movie star or television? Either or. Um, my, all, my all-time movie star or TV crush is probably Tom Selleck from Magnum P.I. What's something you're working on right now that you want our listeners to know about? Um, I'm preparing for um, Woodhull's Sexual Freedom Summit, and um, Ms. Pomegranate and I will be presenting there, and uh, we're presenting at Otacon as well uh, about BDSM and uh, BDSM hentai and anime. I think that's awesome. Like, yeah. I always love when people can go to a little more vanilla events and present on kink and kind of spread the word. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Mr. Black, where can people find you online? Well, they can find uh, our blog at theblackpomegranate.com and they can find us on Twitter at blackpomegranate, B-L-K, pomegranate, um, on Twitter. And remember, it is a kinkly top 100 blog, so you should go and read it right now. And we... We also travel around and we teach different classes. So um, check us out and we may be in your area teaching something. All right. Well, great. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, you can check out the show notes at atouchofflavor.com forward slash 008. I know it's been a little while since we've done a Q&A episode. We had a whole bunch of interviews recorded that we had to get out. Uh, but we're past due, and we have a ton of questions from you guys, so you can expect next week's episode 09 to be a Q&A episode, and we will be doing those more frequently in the future so we can keep up with everything that you guys are sending in. Until then, have fun and stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF-1. Your boy hurt me today with his fucking needles. Why is he my boy? In a good way. Because you had him first before. You had him before I did, so he's your boy. (laughs) Does that so, make him your boy now too? <laughs> I let him, I let him uh, penetrate me on a regular basis. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> His are a lot smaller than yours. Yeah, I bet. No one's got them as big as me. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't get that cocky. I am that cocky. Cocky. With, yes. With your cocks. <laughs> God. You know, we're still recording. <laughs> we're still recording. All this lameness is on here. <laughs> and you will never, ever use it. You'll never resurface.